Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast, where we discuss films from every genre. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome back, listeners, to our second installment in our Neil Blomkamp retrospective series. I am your co-host, Corbin. I'm Alan from all the way in Chicago. And today we are discussing Neil Blomkamp's second film titled Elysium. Yes. Now, as we discussed in the previous podcast, make sure to listen to District 9 before you listen to Elysium. Neil Blomkamp was the new hot director in town. Uh, I think everybody was really intrigued to see what he would do with his next film. Audiences and critics alike would not get to see that until four years later, nearly to the day, which is quite a while for that to happen. This was supposed to be released late 2012, but it kept getting pushed back, and it got pushed back to... It was going to be March 2013, and then it got kind of an end-of-summer released in August, uh, early August of 2013. So it did take a while for Neil Blomkamp to get his next vision out there. And... He uh, went solo this time. The lady who did it before, Terry, which I, I just learned is actually his wife. So that's pretty cool. They got to write District 9 together. Yeah, interesting. She is no longer here. Neil Blomkamp is flying solo, and he bring brought with him a big all-star cast of Matt Damon, Jodie Foster, uh, and... Wickus is back, Charlotte Copley, except he looks and acts totally different, and I had no idea it was him until I finally looked it up on IMDb. Right. Um, uh, Alice Braga and Diego Luna, who uh, most recently appeared in st- uh, the Star Wars Rogue One movie. So there's a lot of a lot of big names here, too. So that's kind of interesting, coming from District 9, where there was not too many, if any at all. No, you're exactly right. And Peter Jackson is gone from producing. He uh, Simon Kinberg is now producing with him. Simon Kinberg is pretty big in the Hollywood scene. He has produced a ton of X-Men movies, written a couple of them. Uh, he's done a lot of kind of mindless action movies like Jumper, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Triple X State of the Union. He wrote the most recent Fantastic Four movie. Oh, wow. Uh, he has also written and created 66 Star Wars Rebels episodes. Uh, he's going to, I think, write a new Star Wars anthology film. He's done a lot with television, with Designated Survivor. So he's done a lot. Simon Kinberg has done a lot of big stuff, uh, especially science fiction. So it seems like a pretty good combination. Yeah. yeah. It seems very interesting that we have these two on the helm of Blumkamp's new Elysium. Well... How does this fare on IMDb as for the rating? Because, as we said, District 9 had an 8, which is a solid rating on IMDb. Yeah. Well, currently Elysium holds a 6.6 on IMDb. That's really low compared to his last one. Pretty low. It's a pretty sharp drop. That's not good. Rotten Tomatoes critics, only 67% liked it, uh, which is still... Pretty good. I mean, as for Rotten Tomato standards, it's not, like, the best, I guess. But yeah. anyway, audience gave it a 58. Audience didn't really care for it. So it comes pretty close right down the middle to half liked it and half didn't. Right. It's very close to getting that fresh seal, but not exactly. Well, the budget of this movie, 
was way bigger than last time because like we said, District 9's budget, he got a 30 million budget and they're like, hey, you get a big budget, man. He got 115 million. Right. That's insane. Yeah, it's insane for your first movie to go from 30 and then the second movie, they're like, all right, we're going to give you way more money. Right. And I mean, that's kind of fair, though, because District 9 made a bunch of money. It was very successful. So why wouldn't the studio trust Blomkamp with this next movie, you know? Exactly. That makes a complete sense. Yeah. Well, domestically, Elysium did not make back its budget. It grossed $93 million here in Oof. the States. Eesh. Foreign, it grossed $193 million for a worldwide total of $286 million. So, overall, in the United States, eh, it didn't do very well. If a movie can't make back its budget, then that's not good. Right. But factoring in the worldwide total, it did fine. But the only problem is it didn't um, double its budget. Right. And that's kind of what you want to do with this kind of thing. So it's and it didn't make too much outside of getting back its budget, which isn't a good sign at all. Right. Well, double the budget would be three hundred ten million this came in for worldwide total, mind you, at $286 million. Yeah. It's not the best. It was opening weekend number one at the box office with $29 million, And it should be noted that is a drop in the previous box office. Uh, so this is the second highest box office for Neil Blomkamp. Um, it's the second highest domestic gross. Uh, it has the highest budget, as we said. And it this does have the highest uh, foreign and worldwide. And I'm including in the statistics the film that comes after this. So all of his films currently out, uh, those what the statistics are fo for. Right. So that might give you a little preview of what audiences think. We've discussed this uh, before how when the first installment does good, the second installment normally should do even better. Yes, that's that's the hope at least. Right. When the second installment doesn't do better, then something's off, something's wrong. Right. It's kind of the case with Rambo, where the first one did good, but the second one did a lot better, but then the third one did really not so well. Right. So you can kind of detect some of these patterns and understand that. Elysium came out... Like the weekend of August 9 through 11, 2013, the summer blockbuster was pretty much over, winding down. So the movies it went up against are We're the Millers, Planes, and Percy Jackson. Hmm. So not much competition again. Really not much competition, even though uh, We're the Millers and Planes came scary close to uh, Elysium's weekend gross numbers. Uh, films like... The Conjuring, The Wolverine, uh, Two Guns, um, some more fun action movies, Pacific Rim, Man of Steel, World War Z, Star Trek, Into Darkness were all out at the box office at the time in theaters, but they had been out for a long time. So right. Elysium came out at a good time, and honestly, that's probably the only reason why it's number one at the box office, because its competitors were, you know, pretty not much of a competition. So I want to talk a little bit first about what does Elysium mean? Well, Elysium is also another name for the Elysian Fields. 
which is actually an ancient Greek word. It's a conception of the afterlife that developed over time and was maintained by some Greek religious and philosophical sects and cults. Initially separate from the realm of Hades, admission was reserved for mortals related to the gods and other heroes. Later, it expanded to include those chosen by the gods, the righteous and the heroic, where they would remain after death to live a blessed and happy life and indulging in whatever employment they had enjoyed in life. That's taken straight Mm -hmm. from Wikipedia. That seems like a pretty good summary to me. Uh, If you have um, seen the best picture Ridley Scott film Gladiator, in the beginning of the film, Russell Crowe talks about the Elysian Fields. Uh, So that was probably my first time hearing about it. Mm -hmm. So essentially Elysium is supposed to represent a perfect kind of paradise afterlife sort of thing, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, It should also be noted that Elysium experienced a lawsuit. Uh, One of the writers of the film, uh, I guess, wasn't given. He wrote some kind of draft of the film, and then they didn't use it or whatever. And he said there was copyright infringement going on. So the film did have to undergo a lawsuit. Wow. Not off to a good start. This film did not get, this film kind of got pounded. Yeah. Man. Well, okay. And the other problem is... And this is what I want to get into. This is what I didn't, I did not realize until there's a certain line of the movie towards the end. And then it all became clear to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally see it now. Yeah. So before we get into that, this will lead right into it. But there was a lot of controversy actually when this movie came out, a lot of controversy surrounding this. Um, But the kind of some of the inspiration was for the movie is a According to Entertainment Weekly, uh, Blancamp was in Mexico for a trip, and there was some kind of incident where he encountered the police and was eventually released into a poor area of the countryside outside of Tijuana. And there were floodlights streaming into Mexico from the U.S. side of the border, and Black Hawk helicopters patrolled the skies, and Blancamp said it was like science fiction on Earth. Interesting. And Blancamp's idea of the Elysium Space Station reportedly came from Beverly Hills in Malibu. Yeah. And Blancamp said, Everybody wants to ask me lately about my predictions for the future, whether I think this is what will happen in 140 years. His response was, No, no, no. This isn't science fiction. This is today. This is now. And... Okay. According to Blancamp, he said politics did not factor into this he really wasn't trying to promote an agenda um the occupy wall street which was going on at the time he said he didn't want that to have anything to do with it um but then he realized that i guess this seems pretty hard to fathom honestly once we're about to talk about it that he wasn't writing politics into this movie he was like i don't want politics to affect this But then when people started watching it and seeing it, there was a ton coming out from Entertainment Weekly, Variety. There was coming out from uh, more liberal and more conservative news sites. Uh, Entertainment Weekly said something like, for the 1%, this movie is a nightmare. For the uh, 99%, this movie is little short of call to arms. Um, And yeah... So, and producer Simon Kimberg said when he was promoting Elysium, he said the movie would tackle immigration, healthcare, and class issues, according to an article from Vulture. Right. 
So, I did not know any of this at all coming into the movie. I remember seeing the trailer. Well, and that's something I actually want us to start doing with this. We will watch the trailer and then say, based off the trailer, does it make us want to see the movie and does it accurately represent the movie? So, Alan, give me your take on the trailer. Um, I thought the trailer was kind of interesting. Uh, I've seen the movie twice now. This is my very first Blumkamp movie that I'd ever seen. When I first watched this movie, I really enjoyed it. I, I remember seeing something about the trailer, but I never really sat down and watched it all the way through. But I thought it was a very interesting idea that this guy essentially wants to get up to release him because he's going to die. But the trailer, I felt, maybe showed too much in this kind of a situation. Usually, lately, I've been trying, I've been not really watching trailers except when I'm in the theater and they have them before the movie. But. I think that the trailer does do a pretty good job at kind of setting up the story. Like, this is what the current setting is for the movie, which is all of the middle class and poor are down on Earth, where the upper class, the 1%, are up in space on this, like, spinning disc called Elysium. So, it's interesting. I thought it was actually a pretty good trailer. I think it maybe showed a bit too much, though, and I would have liked some more mystery in it before I went to go see the movie. Sure. Okay. But it did make you want to go see it. Yeah, it did. It, if I were back, if, if I were back then, I would like to go see it. I don't think I saw the trailer. I think I saw pieces of the trailer and I knew about the movie, but I never watched it all the way through. Yeah. So as I said, this is my second time seeing Elysium. I saw it about a year ago. I went through all of Blancamp's works. This was uh, so. This is my second time seeing it basically remembered nothing about the trailer i was like oh it looks really cool from what i saw uh back in 2013 um i would have been around oh gosh i gotta do math right here on the fly uh english major not a math major i would have been 18 at the time didn't know much about politics didn't know much about political systems at all if i would have saw this trailer just a couple days ago before I watched the movie, then I would have been more prepared knowing what I was getting into. Yeah. So the trailer basically says there, there's like, there's the, the super rich that, you know, live in perfection and harmony. And then there's us, everybody else. And we all live on earth and we're the poor and, you know, we should overthrow those rich, you know, people. So I'm like, okay, this is kind of jarring for me, especially when this has become far more prevalent in today's political society than it was in 2013 with like Bernie Sanders, for instance, who described himself as a democratic socialist. And he was heavily, heavily, he's always advocated for socialism and wants to basically turn America into a socialist country. So, yeah, I was watching this and I'm thinking, okay. And then the more I thought about it, the movie deals with healthcare, which is major point in today's society, the border, which is huge, amnesty, which is huge, and pretty much this type of thing where there is, there's only two classes. There's everybody who's poor and then there's the rich. That is more commonly referred to as like the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. And that's pretty much the heart behind communism is that the poor should overthrow the rich. 
And the more I thought about it, uh, the guy who plays Spider looks very much like Che Guevara, who helped Fidel Castro overthrow uh, Cuba and overthrow a couple other places. And it's kind of funny because he is Matt Damon's, you know, kind of sidekick, I guess. He helps him do stuff. So I'm like, ah, that's probably not what they're going for at all, but it's hard to miss those parallels. Right. So, okay, I don't, I want to put politics aside for the beginning, but then they'll come to a certain point where um, I feel like we have to address politics because it seems so heavily ingrained into this plot. Whereas District 9 had certain issues, like moral issues that were like, yeah, absolutely. I agree with those. Very subtle. The more I think about this, the more these political and social issues are blatant and hitting you over the head and i'll get to some of them when we get there um but i don't know just knowing this reading some of these articles has really soured my experience on the movie yeah yeah i can definitely see that i know that coming back for my second time when i first watched it i was kind of naive and, and i didn't really know as much as i do now and my view has definitely changed but I remember when I first watched it, I really, really liked it. Partly mm-hmm. because it was just there's a there's a lot of action in this movie, and we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But mainly when I came back and watched it again, as a film, it's I don't know. I don't think it's paced the best way it could have been to really talk about these kinds of issues and really yeah. present them in a way that's easily discernible and getting his point forward in, the, in a good way. So, yeah, I think we're... I know with me, at least, my my vision on the film has definitely changed since the first time I watched it to now. Then again, that was back when the movie was just out in theaters. So sure. that was years ago. That was yeah, almost five years ago now. Crap. Yeah, we've also learned a lot more since then. Like, yeah. Especially about, like, how certain things are portrayed in cinema. Right. And even just the world in general. Um. But like I said, if you do want to not have Elysium spoiled for you, we really haven't spoiled anything because just by that trailer, it tells you what kind of political agenda this movie is going to promote. Right. But the trailer's freaking awesome. I watch it. I'm like, dang, that looks so exciting with all that action. It's really yeah. well cut. Um, I don't think it really accurately represents the movie. I think it makes the movie look more awesome than it actually will be. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's a little bit of a letdown. It's a really cool trailer, but we're going to spoil Elysium right now. So hit pause. If you want to go see it, go check it out, and then come back and listen to our review. The plot summary of Elysium is fairly straightforward. A, I don't know, 30-something factory worker uh, gets involved in a factory accident. He gets irradiated, and he's about to die, but... uh, the rich people up in Elysium in the year 2154. So we're a ways out from that. I'll never make it to that year. I'll be dead by then. So I won't know if it's true or not. Right. <laughs> but they have figured out the cure to, uh, they figured out the formula to immortality, essentially. So they can heal their body from any diseases to just make themselves live forever. So that's why I'm assuming there's no old people up there and these people are essentially just going to live up in this place right forever and um there's no there's no real like kind of 
gravity in space. So I'm assuming that's why they can have like a circular thing and they can walk up the whole thing and whatnot, kind of like the Earth is created. Right. It's kind of but, like the uh, the centrifuge from 2001, A Space Odyssey in Interstellar, where the thing spins yes. and you're kind of just pushed to the edge. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so basically, Matt Damon gets back involved with his old gang and they give him the technology and equipment to try and mind hack this guy and little do they know they uh, stumble upon uh, some information that would take down the whole system the uh, one percenters whatever you want to call them the super rich super mega wealthy um, are infighting amongst themselves and they're basically trying to perform a coup well that backfires on them because Damon becomes in possession of the material he flies up to Elysium and Instead of a bourgeoisie coup, it's a proletariat coup. And I guess the world is perfect now. All that all that is solved, there's only one class. So a lot of big issues dealt with under two hours. Not a whole lot of explanation for... Sure, it sounds nice, but how are you going to practically implement this? I mean, I understand right. it's sci-fi, but don't act like it's practical and not give any practical explanations for it. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of big themes that they need, that they want to bring up in this movie. And I, I don't know if the movie does them justice. Yes. I actually had that in my notes also. The space station looks straight out of 2001, Space Odyssey. Yeah. I yeah, I was just on IMDb before looking before this podcast and I saw on the side on the sidebar someone had a list where both Elysium and 2001 a Space Odyssey were in and it had the poster for Space Odyssey, and mm, cool. it, and then I saw this, I saw the disc, and I was just like, "Oh, that looks exactly from an Elysium." And I've seen the poster before, but I just forgot about it until now. Yeah, listeners, if you want to, it's just my opinion, of course. But if you want an explanation of 2001: A Space Odyssey, uh, we've got a uh, half an hour examination analysis of the film where I go really in depth uh, discussing the themes and possible interpretations of 2001. So I highly recommend. Uh, checking that out for more sci-fi but let's let's go ahead and jump into the film and talk about what's going on here right uh it begins with uh matt damon's character uh, i believe his name is max as a little boy and i think the little boy looks like young damon that's good mm-hmm. um there are some breathtaking visuals in this movie honestly the oh yeah cgi has incredibly ramped up from district nine yeah, this CGI is really, really good. Immediately, I were faced with the like the demographics and population of Los Angeles. Yeah, of California, a, a lot of uh, Hispanics, pretty much Hispanic. So, and I think that's almost to a fault because Matt Damon is like the only white person, yeah. almost the only white person. He sticks out like a sore thumb in this movie. Yeah, and it's kind of funny too how he becomes essentially the savior. The white savior, yeah. Well, yeah. but that's one of the first problems is immediately we we realize he is the destiny child mm-hmm. because his nun is like, you're destined for great things and you will do something great in the future where it's like really cliche, really obvious. Yeah. Already we're getting some cliches and we're getting a really heavy social commentary about the state of Los, uh, state of California in, in the future. Right. But I also do kind of want to reiterate the style of this movie too because I think that this movie has 
a very, very good sense of style. It kind of takes District 9 and then just ups it one more level. And this is this is what I wanted from District 9, this kind of sense of style where it really gets into your face and the style becomes a character of its own. And there are scenes in here that are really, really gritty. And I think it looks really, really good. I, I wish this kind of style was also in District 9. I get it. This He was kind of an amateur at the time. But I think at least him kind of hit it on the head of what kind of style District 9 was going for. And this is, I think, almost hit it just perfectly with the style, with at least how the film looks. I'm okay with District 9 not looking like this. I think this looks fine. I honestly think it's very confusing to me. It looks very war-torn. Mm. Uh, do we know, does the movie say if the United States was engaged in some massive wars or... It didn't say that it was engaged in wars, but it did say that there was a big problem with overpopulation on the earth. Yeah. And I mean, that has kind of a side effect of, of all the slums that we see, at least in Los Angeles. I guess it can kind of make sense because there are photos of Detroit and it looks like war-torn Syria. If someone told you this was war-torn Syria, right? You, I'd, I'd believe them because it does. But like, no, it's actually Detroit, so I'm assuming... This is just kind of spread. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so we also realized there's some uh, police brutality going on. Yeah, I noticed that too. I got that. I got picked that part up too. Uh, the one thing I'm going to compliment is Matt Damon's acting. When he when he gets hurt, I feel for him. I seriously feel yeah, for him. Yeah, I do too. I think he does a really great job. And normally when people get hurt in movies, I... I, it's not that I'm like empathetic that they they just got hurt, but they're not really able to sell it very well. I think this is probably one of the best instances I've ever seen of selling it. Like you're just so hurt, and he just seems like such a poor guy, like down on his luck, never got a fair shake in life, trying to do his best, and now he's got an honest job. And the cops are just police brutality, just for no yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah, and I love how he's just like sarcastic with them and they just immediately retaliate on him and they beat the crap out of him it's maybe it's a bit heavy-handed on the police brutality issue Mm -hmm. but i think i think it is prevalent because about that time was when a bunch of more videos were coming out of police police brutality and all sorts of stuff well that's yeah that's been a big issue in the last couple years about police brutality Definitely. I do think it's kind of interesting how police officers and parole officers are robots, but factory workers haven't been automated as robots. That that doesn't seem right. Yeah, I don't maybe I don't know. That's this is kind of where the movie kind of was not very clear as to why this issue is cuz yeah, we have robot police officers, but when it comes to work, we have we still have humans. But that's not consistent with the trend. Yeah. Because currently in society, more jobs are being, more like factory-based jobs are being replaced by robotics. Uh, I just read an article the other day. There's like 80,000 jobs set to be replaced by robots. Right. So that was a little unbelievable. There's major factory where this problem that he encounters wouldn't have been an issue if a robot would have done it. Um, Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that was pretty unbelievable where it's like, oh, everybody has these factory jobs now and like, eh, they're not automated. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And it also doesn't help that the working conditions are very, very bad as well. Yeah. 
So I, I'm kind of, uh, here's a technical thing that they missed. I noticed um, when Spider says transmit the codes and pull them up on the screen, um, the audio, he's not even moving his lips, but the audio is oh. just still playing. I'm like, that's pretty noticeable. It's it's kind of a that. far away shot. It's not a close up shot. It's far away, but the audio is playing right. and he's not even moving his lips. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't notice that. Okay, something I'm confused on is why did they speak f- French in Elysium sometimes? I don't I don't know. There are a lot of languages in this movie. I know that there's French is spoken Spanish. IMDb has French, Africus, Ukrainian. I thought that was kind of strange. I'm like, is it just because it's more sophisticated? Like, oh, look how fancy they are. They speak French, you know. Right. Right, and I and I have the Blu-ray that I have. It includes the French version. I got it on sale. Uh, It was I think it was used somewhere, (laughs) and I put it in. and I thought I had the French version. I was like, oh, I better check it. So I went into audio and changed it to English, and it was already selected. I was like, now I'm confused because the movie begins with um, not English uh, speaking. Well, it's pretty hard not to draw the parallel between Jodie Foster's character and Hillary Clinton because they have the same hair and Jodie Foster is the defense secretary and I'm pretty sure Hillary Clinton was secretary of state. Yeah, I think you're so right. So there's a pretty big parallel going on there, um, except uh, I don't know. It seems a little inconsistent with the agenda, though, this movie seems to be proposing because Jodie Foster's character is the bad guy, and I just have a hard time seeing Hollywood painting Hillary Clinton as the bad guy. So I'm sure it's not, it's probably a loose connection, but it's one, it's pretty hard to miss. Yeah, yeah, now that you mentioned it, I, I kind of, I can definitely see that. And we get our first introduction to, I uh, can't ever remember his name, uh, the guy who played Wickes in the last movie. Oh, yeah. He plays yeah, we Kruger. Do. Yeah, Kruger is his name, yeah. He looks nothing like him. So when I saw the trailer, I'm like, who's that guy with the beard? He looks pretty tough. And then I saw mm-hmm. the movie and I'm like, oh, a tough guy. But then when I heard his voice, I'm like, I didn't expect that voice to come out of him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, this is something I'm very confused on, though. So at this point in the movie, when we're, we're kind of introduced to Kruger, um, there are a few ships flying up to Elysium that are from Earth. And they're trying to, essentially what they're trying to do is get into Elysium so they can save themselves, essentially, right? Right. That's Spider's plan the whole time. That's how he makes money. Yeah. Jordy Foster, of course, gets the, the notification that there are these ships coming in. And so instead of instead of hailing it like any sane person would do, she calls Kruger, who's on the ground, and gets him to take care of it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very inconsistent. And because I she I feel like she would know that her job was on the line. In fact, later it's, it's discussed that... Um, that the whatever happened with those three aircrafts, one survived, but with what the other two that had loss of life, that's a big issue. Yeah. Well, I thought the same thing because I'm thinking, okay, really, this super station Elysium basically doesn't have any security. Exactly. So that was very confusing, and she called. I'm thinking that that seems ridiculous. Somebody on Earth could shoot missiles, handheld rockets? I mean, I understand that it's 2,154. It's super far into the future. Right. Maybe technology will produce like that. But right now, in order – 
That requires a massive ICBM, an intercontinental ballistic missile, to right. shoot from one continent to the other, let alone to basically a outer space moon type thing, you know? Exactly. So yeah. that was crazy, those little missiles, he could do that. And I'm thinking, yeah, I said Elysium has super poor security. It just doesn't make any sense. Because I honestly thought, I thought what they are going to do is they were going to somehow shoot them down. But then I thought, okay, you can't just murder like 50 people. I know. And not have any repercussions. And then there was, and she's like, I don't give a crap. Yeah, there weren't really that, there weren't really repercussions because they said, don't do it again. Exactly. And they said, you have to terminate him. They haven't figured out what, I mean, this has clearly been going on for a long time. Yeah. They haven't figured out any kind of consistent thing to figure this out. And when they show like the deportation area, there's like tons of deportations going on. Yeah. And it, which, it also doesn't help that you can just kind of fly into Elysium. Right. <laughs> exactly. Kind of That's what I thought too. And you're okay. I thought that too. I'm like, holy cow, they just breached Elysium that easily. And I'm like, this could be uh, like very easy terrorist threats. And the, exactly. the security is horribly. I mean, there's no planes to fly in to stop them. And then the robots take forever to get them. And I'm thinking this would be so easy to overthrow. Right. There are... There are a number of security concerns, and I'll bring them up when we get, when we get to those points. But this is one of them. Um, another one is not too long after this scene when Matt Damon confronts uh, Carlisle and gets his information. There are a lot of security inconsistencies in this movie where it's kind of just like where it's kind of just like, oh, that's Hollywood. Yeah, so, this is one of them. It's one of them. It's just another flaw in the screenwriting. That... Right. It's just kind of disappointing because the screenwriting was so well done and there really wasn't a lot of loose ends for yeah. District 9. Yeah. One other thing I also kind of want to talk about is – this is kind of a big one too. Maybe it's a big plot hole. Okay. So the Earth is considered to be overpopulated and the one person had booted up to Elysium, right? Um, now, those on Elysium, they have these med bays that essentially heal them and like you said earlier, they it's kind of like the fountain of youth, essentially, where they, they don't ever die. So my only issue with this is, would Elysium, wouldn't it be backwards where Elysium has the overpopulation issue because people never die and they are always going to live because of these med bays and whatever sickness they have, it can just magically go away. Whereas back on Earth... You have all that all that disease and stuff that's floating around, and you have a lot of people in one area, so people are going to die a lot quicker. So wouldn't it be backwards? Because if you're on Elysium, then you can just hop in a med bay when you're sick and be perfectly fine. But when, but when you're on Earth, you have overpopulation, and, the, and at least in what we've seen from Los Angeles, you have a bunch of uncleanly, um, like, everything. Yeah, that makes sense. My only thought is nobody is having children you they they're probably like outlawed having children they probably made all the rich be really sterile or something right um, we only see young people um which is kind of funny because jodie foster doesn't she's not that young so right. i don't know but like all the parties are showing like young people so everybody's relatively young i guess you could say right we never really see any kids up on elysium either so maybe maybe you're right I don't think there could be kids. I think it's just a sterile environment. Right. Whereas on Earth, we see a lot of kids and a yeah. lot of kids suffering. So I'm sure they're probably trying to draw that parallel. Like we're having kids and they have all these health issues and 
Um, but on Elysium, they're like, we don't even want kids because they're so invested in living forever. And I guess just having cocktail parties all the time, like, that's what you want to do for, like, hundreds of years? Uh, right. I don't know. It seemed pretty silly. Yeah. Maybe, I guess I'm just having a lot of issues with Elysium on the second viewing. Because what kind of life are they living up on Elysium? Other than... What exactly. Other than they're just super rich and they can kind of do whatever they want. But what it, is there to do? Because at least on Earth you have jobs and you have a, like right. you can do a lot more. But up on Elysium, what exactly do you do up there? Well, exactly. It the the poor are like living pointless lives, and the rich are living pointless lives. So they're basically like, let's just have everybody be a citizen of Elysium. We'll all have a perfect life and build a perfect utopia for everyone, right. which is implausible. Not gonna happen. So yeah, that yeah. that is the big issue with it. Um, another issue that I have is there's a really stark contrast between Earth, the Earth scenes, and Elysium scenes, and I feel like they don't blend together very well. I think you're right. I I started to feel that towards uh, about the middle when it started cutting back and forth a bit more often. Yeah. I started to feel that that disconnection between the two scenes. Because they're just so starkly different. Yeah. And I don't... And I put that... I actually put that in a couple times in my notes. And I said, maybe I'm just spoiled by 2049. Because those visuals are incredibly gorgeous. And it's able to maintain a cohesive thing between, like, super future technology and, like, this, I don't know, trashy area. Right. Whereas, but that maybe what the movie's trying to do is like there's such this insane contrast between the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. It's a it's such a jarring contrast that we're actually going to not even try to blend it in the movie because we don't want to blend it. Right. But from a filmmaking standpoint, <laughs> it doesn't work. I feel like maybe they're sacrificing like you know cinematic integrity for the message of the movie almost. Yeah, I think that that's kind of one of the biggest issues with this movie is that it misses out on making a really tight and cohesive story for the sake mm-hmm. of what is tr- for the sake of maybe the message right of this movie and i know that we've kind of discussed a few things and i'm sure there's a lot more we have to go on the list um that i would like to talk about as well but yeah like the elysium thing it just all, doesn't always connect like it like i think it should it really doesn't and the plot even the plot doesn't connect until they do get to that kind of heist scene and we'll get there in a minute we're not yeah. there yet but then i'm like okay I, I do like how these plots go inside then yeah not justifying the rest of the plot mind you but that's the one thing right. that works because everything in the plot so far is not working you know i'm not yeah. invested in matt damon's character i'm not invested in the flashbacks i don't care about jody foster at all um and the whole, pretty much the whole setup for this movie, I find to be really stupid because Matt Damon's yeah. character is willing to die to keep his job, which he can't keep because he's going to die. Unbelievably stupid. Before he, this all happens, before he steals the information, he wants to get to Elysium so he can save himself. And he's, uh, caught, he talks to Spider and he's like, how do we get up there? I'll essentially do everything and spider's like oh this is a great moment and kind of relishes it and then it's kind of spider's fault that he's then forced into elysium because he has the key it's i think you're right it's it's 
kind of phoning it in maybe a little bit. My biggest issue, like, for how the we get the ball rolling is how stupid it is. Okay, I wish it would have been more of, like, an accident that happened where he was trying to, like, do something and then it's like, oh, no, 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 the door shuts. I mean, we've seen that in movies before. Oh, yeah. But instead of it's like a pallet and he knows once he moves it, the door is going to shut. So the first thing he tries is, like, sticking like half of his body in there and half of it out so if he would have moved it it would have crushed his body so he just goes all the way in there and moves it and then the door shuts he's like oh my gosh no i didn't know i was gonna do that yeah and then it happens and it's like there's no emergency bug on this thing it was so stupid and then the superintendent is like you're holding up the line you get in there and move it or i'll find somebody else who will clearly it's gonna kill him and then guess what happens? The whole plant has to shut down because this yeah. happens. This whole plot contrivance in the beginning is like, <laughs> why does it have to be that stupid? The movie kind of likes to force its plot just to kind of get it rolling. I I think you're right. This movie really should have probably re- reworked this this uh, the end of this first act when he uh, he gets this radiation because it is really stupid. And it I mean it does kind of go to show the working conditions and how bad it is, but at the same time we already know how bad the life is down there. I I think they're just kind of beating us even more over the head with this theme that life yeah. is terrible on earth. Too well, much. Yeah. They really are. And I really am not caring for the flashes to Elysium because it's not really about Elysium, it's all about Jodie Foster's character. Right. And I understand Jodie Foster is an Academy Award-winning actress, and she did amazing in Silence of the Lambs, which we did cover her in Silence of the Lambs, so go check that out. Yep. That podcast out. Most of the movies of that series. Yes. But um, the problem is her accent is terrible, Mm. and I think she does a terrible job in this movie. Yeah. um, When I first watched it, I I remember hearing the, the argument... Oh, the issue that her uh, her accent isn't very good. And I remember watching it and walking on like, oh, it wasn't that bad. And then I came back and watched it this time and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I think acting wise, I think she does a pretty all right job. But her accent, no, no. I just, That's... well, I can't take her seriously with that accent. So it's going to yeah. like, affect her whole performance where she's like, how dare you get over here. We will yeah. talk about this later. I agree. Unbelievable. Well, I did think it was funny when they finally dismissed Kruger, even though it was illegal to use him anyway. They're like, oh, we'll just dismiss him from the system. Yeah, and he gets and really mad and he like, flips over his food and flips off yep. the sky. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But, and it's kind of like what I said earlier. It's like this is the only repercut. This is the only punishment that she has for her actions. But yeah, it is pretty funny to see him just kind of get mad for a second. Flip off this guy. <laughs> she gets a slap on the wrist for murdering 50 people, which some would call mass murder. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people. But, I and I just don't know enough about this world. Who is the president of Earth? Are they just left to run themselves? Or are the super rich, like, is this like some kind of corporate thing? Are, is the president of Elysium, is he running Earth also and kind of controlling everybody? I don't know how their systems work, and I don't understand that. Yeah, it's clearly not a uh, an anarchy either, because it just seems way too ordered for it to not be. I mean, they obviously have police enforcement too, right? So yeah, you're right. I didn't think about that. This it isn't explained what exactly the uh, government 
setting is down there. Well, no, that's the thing I hate is when movies or books focus on one single area of an entire world because then it's like, okay, well, what's going on in the rest of the world? Right. Is this the only place in the world that's left going on? Or, I mean, there's more than just rich United States people. I mean, is Jodie Foster from France? That's why she speaks French. So is this the rich? Uh, I mean, uh, there's just like the world is a huge place with 7 billion people. Right. And all of the rich fit up in Elysium, which is nowhere near the size of the earth. And the the contrast is just way too stark. And it's just really big, uh, just class warfare type terms. You know, there's like only two types of people in this world. And I'm like, right. And I do kind of have another criticism with the characters. Cause I know in the, I know the district nine review, we, I praised the movie for being very focused on its characters and essentially just two, two main characters. And one wasn't even in half of the movie um, because it's so focused on weakest. But this movie has Matt Damon, the love interest, and then kind of the leukemia, the girl with leukemia, Kruger and his crew, and then Spider and his crew, uh, Damon's friend and his, and whoever else is with that. There are a lot of people here. And I feel like it's not necessarily jumbled, but it's just like I wish it was more simple like it was in the last one, you know. Where, where I could really get into these characters. I don't feel like I can really get into Matt Damon's character as well. I mean, he's good. He's a very good actor, and he doesn't do a, a good job here. But I feel like he, if his, if we were given more time to develop his character, I would have gotten gotten into this world more. I I put the exact same thing down. There is little mm-hmm. to no character development in this movie, and right. I would like to know about Max more before. This is, this is, I'm speaking verbatim from my notes. I would like to know more about Max before I can start to feel for his plight. Right. I'm like, I don't know this dude at all. I, you know, I'm sorry that happened to you, but I I can't really get behind what you're about to do if you don't give me a reason. And I don't know. And the, the problem is the, this movie goes rapidly from very small picture and it's very like paint by numbers because mm-hmm. I put my notes. So now Damon's character has a reason to go to Elysium, you know, yeah. pretty obvious. And then it's very like, it's all focused about himself, but then coincidentally, you know, I mean, it's, I, it's fine how the plots coincide. I think that actually works. Yeah. Um, but then it goes from big picture, like we could have a massive, you know, revolution and overthrow the super rich and have a perfect world and um matt damon's character is still consistently like eh, if i get better then sure but as for that you know it's kind of all about me and that's a line that comes later we'll talk about that a little later but yeah the the whole point of the movie really doesn't make sense because the ultimate point is freeing everybody but that's not the point of the movie until the very end it's all about right. Matt Damon's character healing himself and then all of a sudden it becomes this big class commentary or something I don't know. right and like we had mentioned earlier getting to the movie actually like the plot beginning in the movie it's not a decision like it really should have been because 
I mean, maybe you can chalk it up to be a decision, but in my mind, he was forced into this, uh, into his reality, which is he needs to fix whatever is going on in, uh, in the factory where the, where the pallets jamming the door. And he was ordered by his, someone above him to go in there and fix it. And he could have said no, yes, but at the same time, he's not just going to lose his job because of that. So I feel like this week kind of forces this idea on onto the audience, which I don't think was the I don't think that was the best way of doing it. I think getting to the point where he thinks he needs to go up to Elysium, that could have been worked out a lot better. I get that the working conditions are bad and that everyone who's upper middle class kind of has reign over the lower class, but at the same time I feel like this could have been done a lot better. Oh yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Right. It doesn't it doesn't jive because when he's a kid with the flashbacks, he's like, I want to go up there. I want to go up there. I'll always go up there. And the nun's like, yeah, you will. You're awesome. Yeah. And then he just lives his pretty crappy adult life. And then he gets sick and he's like, oh, well, now I have to find a way to go up there. Right. So it turns from kind of this idealistic destiny child to he makes a stupid decision. And I guess his destiny was to be stupid and kind of hard to root for a character like that honestly it really is it really is it, it's not it doesn't feel genuine that's kind of the thing no it's not it doesn't feel like his character made that decision because that's what it, that's what his characters would do in that situation and then he needs to work with that decision this movie is not about him it's about humanity on earth sure through him so yes something else i think is kind of funny is the movie thinks we're like stupid because Damon's like, I want to steal the information from Carlisle. It has to be from him. And then we like flashback to Carlisle looking at him through the glass like, this is who he is, audience, just in case you forgot. You know? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. don't treat us like that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And I also, Carlisle is kind of a, kind of an odd character. He's also in the Dark Knight. He, I think he set up Bane to do what uh, he wanted him to do. And stuff no. like that. He he was in um he was the Dark Knight, and he was in the bank at the beginning with the Joker. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, so that's this guy. If you've seen the Dark Knight, I forget the actor's name. He's in a few other things. I know I've seen him before, but but okay, this is what confused me about his character. So Carlisle knows how to infiltrate the Elysium servers and essentially appoint somebody else to be the president, right? And so when Jodie Foster talks to him, he somehow writes this code that's, as the movie says, exabytes long, because when they pull it from Matt Damon's brain later, Spider uh, mentions the fact that it's so big, and exabytes is huge. And somehow he's able to write code that's exabytes long that somehow resets the service, but also somehow has the capability to turn all humans on Earth uh, and allow them to become citizens on Elysium? Okay, but... Well, I guess I get it. They're modifying... They're essentially um, manipulating this this code, essentially, so that way they can have what they want. But... But it's but it's quickly passed over and explained. Exactly. And from a computer science point of view, if if the code that he wrote 
is for this one specific thing, he would have been smart enough to make sure that nothing else, unless it needs to be modified, is also modified. So I I don't know. I found this kind of piece of the of the situation to be not very well implemented. And you could chalk it up to being, oh, it's just movie. It's movie science. And yes, that's true. But at the same time, there is a very much a reality here that is hard to get behind, for me at least. Well, yeah. And honestly, it's kind of like it doesn't make any sense because their technology should be so advanced. He basically doesn't need to carry it around on a flash drive. He's got that little thing behind his ear right. where it carries all the data. Right, which I think is okay. also an interesting idea as well. Yes, but don't they have email or cloud storage? Can't he Dropbox it to her instead of like uploading it, carrying it? Like like I said, he's basically carrying a physical copy of it, flying it up there to give it to her. And it's like... You're what? right. And I... And I they also said it to Lethal. Now, here's my thing, too. I have so many issues with this code that changes everything on Elysium. Number one, um, the the code is set to lethal. So that way when Carlisle goes up there, goes up goes up to Elysium, and then is then implements the code, he's going to die. And that's shown with Mark uh, Matt Damon there at the end, is that he dies because they had to use the code from his brain. That's which right. he copied from Carlisle, which means wouldn't Carlisle die if he goes up, if he go, went up there to take care of it? I thought the same thing, but then I totally forgot about it until you brought it up because it said lethal and then it like did the same to him. I'm like, so wouldn't that mean you would die? Right. And then I wasn't sure if that meant like, oh, maybe the presidents will die. They'll like upload it to the president's brain or something, but we don't see that happen because the president doesn't die. He's fine. So that doesn't make any sense. He would write code that would kill himself in the process. Right. And here's my second issue is right is both is after they get the information from Carlisle, uh, Matt Damon goes and talks to Spider, right? And Spider hooks up his mind and or whatever I think he had or whatever reason implemented into his brain. And he's able to view the code that Carlisle wrote and he determines that oh crap this is going to this is meant to shut down Elysium right and he said we can modify this and we can use this to make everybody a citizen on uh, Elysium but we need to get you up there what what what's stopping them from copying that code because if he can view it then he can copy it right I thought the exact same thing because he unplugged it and I'm like wait why didn't uh... Yeah, and here's and here's the other thing. Sure, he has to get up. He at the very least has to get up to Elysium to do it. That's fine, but my problem is this movie takes a couple steps too far in revealing its reality, where it's it doesn't feel genuine and at like something that's plausible compared to our present day standings in technology. And this movie is not very old either. It's only it's he's. 2017 when we recorded this podcast so it's only four years old since its release yeah. it's not very old not nothing's changed since then not like drastic really. yeah and the year is the year of course is 2154 so maybe things would change but the, my problem is it i can't relate to it and being a computer science major i can't relate to it because it feels implausible and kind of kind of 
ignorant that they would do this kind of thing because that's that there's a better way to do it. At least from my own reality here, and not in twenty one fifty four. Well, since we're still on technology, something I thought, yeah, it just doesn't make sense is these robots seem really smart. Like clearly they have artificial intelligence, but then uh, Carlisle has to tell them there are gunmen outside and the robots need to go fight them. So that was weird. And also, oh, the drones are huge. Yeah. Huge. Okay. So I was at Best Buy the other day and I saw those, uh, robot vacuum cleaners, mm-hmm. and I had never seen one in person, and they it was like $800, and it was massive. It was huge. It was the size of this drone. So yeah. uh, the technology is a little not quite as visionary. Um, some of it looks really cool. Some of it looks great. Uh, some of these kind of copter things we've seen before, right. um, specifically thinking of like Aliens with James Cameron, um, Avatar, which had already come out, has some of these types of vehicles also. Those are some of the things with technology. Um, I did think it was pretty cool. They got Bugatti to design um, that flying car. Yeah. And um, it also um, could go supersonic. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. But something I did think was pretty dumb is when they were able to shoot it down really easily. Yeah. Like, really? Come on. Like, this has never happened before or... What? Right. Now, know. they did give him an alert that they detected an anomaly, essentially, but they, nothing happened because of it. They didn't do anything about it. <laughs> well, it's just like Elysium. Elysium has no security. This has no security, even though it's pretty obvious. Everybody on Earth hates Carlisle and all the rich yeah. people. So what's the good of security robots if they can't defend you before you crash? Uh, it's just shocking this Bugatti super vehicle wouldn't have some kind of uh, anti- ballistic missile things you know like we see them shoot off like the flares or whatever they are uh in plane movies they like shoot off and it hits those but i'm like really it doesn't have those it was just too easy to take them down too easy to fight them and get it and they did have some really cool like modern warfare video game type weapons they used yeah it it was just way too easily how some of this stuff comes about um i do feel for matt damon when he gets stabbed um i just feel for the guy it looks like it hurts yeah, and I think that's also kind of attributing to Damon's performance. I think he, like he, like usual, he does a really good job. Yeah, Kruger has a really cool shield also, and it's weird he uses a samurai sword, but I like it. I like the yeah. blend. Only once. Only once. Well, they fight with it in the end, don't they? Do they? Oh, they do. You're right. Yeah. It, it was weird, but I, I think somehow that. it worked. It was cool. It it looks a lot cooler in the trailer, though, than it's used in the movie. But I always find it funny yeah. when Kruger is, like, blocking with the shield, but then eventually it just breaks through and Kruger just flies off and falls unconscious. But instead of, like, killing him while he's down, they just run away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not not going to lie. I, I do think that this opening, this first action scene is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. I do. I agree. It's It looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie is, uh, from this point on, it's a lot of action. There's a few points where it kind of slows down for a little bit, but it feels a lot like a Mad Max Fury Road type of movie where it's just nonstop, just keeps going. Yeah. But that I can definitely see that. Yeah. Except Fury Road yeah. better. So. Right. 
But um, what about these flashbacks? Are these flashbacks doing anything for you? No, I honestly don't really care for them. I, I, I can understand it in the opening just to kind of explain uh, someone's viewpoint on what exactly life is like um, from their point of view, seeing Elysium up in, up on the sky. But the fact that they just keep cutting back to him, that's not really working for me. I don't think they... I don't think that needed to happen. Yeah, and um, one quick thing before I move on from the action scene. Yeah. Um, the shaky cam was getting to be a little much, but nowhere near as bad as the shaky cam we get at the final fight. So I don't know what you thought of the shaky cam in this movie. Yeah, I thought it, I thought the opening was pretty great. I actually, personally, I do really enjoy shaky cam. If you've seen The Born Supremacy or The Born Ultimatum, those are very heavily those very heavily used shaky cam and now born supremacy uses it a bit too much where it's just a bit too shaky um this one i think it works just ro- just all right for me i actually am a big i'm a pretty big fan of shaky cam if it works well and i think it worked pretty well here I, I didn't i felt it really helped with the action um for the most part it didn't bother me at all I was I was really bothered by the shaky cam when he fights Kruger in the end because I basically couldn't tell what was going on at all. Gotcha. Yeah. So to yeah, that's me, that yeah that that really like actually lessened the intensity for me because I was like I don't know what's going on. Um, right. I think the fight would have been a lot better if we could have had some more still shots of them fighting, maybe some wide shots across that awesome bridge with those, you know, bonsai tree flower things, whatever. Right. Um, really cool location, but oh, we're yeah. seeing too much shaky cam. I mean, very reminiscent of The Empire Strikes Back, almost, with Luke and Darth Vader fighting at the end across that thing. I think we could have got something cool like that, but they're just moving the camera too fast, which tells me, I don't know, there's like a special feature talking about the stunt work. Mm-hmm. And it should be noted, they actually used a lot of miniatures with some of the CGI Really? So when they're flying over Elysium, those are miniatures they're using. Okay, that makes a lot of sense then, because I was wondering, I was uh, I was thinking that this CGI is really, really good. It looks so yeah. real. That makes a lot That's of why. sense then. Okay. Well, and you, it also reminded me a lot of the CGI from Rogue One, which is brilliant, especially yeah, some really of the Star Destroyers. That's because they're miniatures. Yeah. I think. So... Those are some things to be commended is they really did try on the visual effects work here. Oh, yeah. Um, and CGI and everything. But, and you know, I felt for Damon when he was lying in the gutter after getting stabbed and escaping. But I kind of have an issue when um, he is meeting the daughter her, whose name is Matilda. Mm-hmm. When he's leaving the house... She's like, where are you going? And he's like, what do you want? <laughs> and she is like, I don't want you to be sick. And then she starts telling a story and wrapping it up. And I'm like, this is really trying too hard. Yeah, with the hippo and... Yeah, the and it's like, tell her I understood the story. And I'm like, yeah. I've seen this before in movies and this one didn't work. Where the child knows better than the adult. You're right. Yeah, this one, this one Way too on the nose. was very forward. It wasn't very subtle at all. <laughs> no. No, not at all. Um, something I kind of had an issue with was... Okay, so they see where Max is with their little uh, giant robot vacuum cleaner drone. Yeah. 
why don't i mean i understand he like crashes it and it's really stupid it gave away his position because he like shows his face in the mirror yeah to try and see it and i'm like you idiot clearly a drone's following you why are you running what what good right. did that do well instead of trying to f- keep pursuing him they go to the house and they kind of terrorize these people and i'm like oh, yeah, I, I wish they would kind of stay hot on the trail but they're right not. which just brings in an emotional element into the movie yeah this is and this is why this is kind of where i didn't like it either is because the little girl they had to kick the little girl out of the hospital because uh they didn't have room or something like that yeah and so she takes her home and then kruger comes into her house and says you're coming with me and then for some reason and then they take her for some reason i guess i understand that they want Matt Damon's character, and they want what's in his head, but at the same time, it's just forced. So yeah, I don't really like it either. I, I kind of wish that they had incorporated them deeper into the plot before they did all this, because we kind of get some character between Matt Damon and Frey, which is the uh, the girl who works at the hospital. Yeah. So, but they don't really do that, so I don't really feel anything. Nope, don't feel anything at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did feel for her when he hit her because that was pretty brutal. Yeah. But, yeah, a lot of plot contrivances that we're very familiar with. Uh, When Damon does go show Spider what he has, Spider says, They will hunt you to the ends of the earth for this. Um, I just put in my notes, stupid trailer fodder. Yeah. He just filmed that so they could probably, like, put that in a promotional TV spot trailer because it just seemed so on the nose like you're right like oh well right and i kind of want to talk about spider's character just for a second because honestly i don't like his accent at all i put the same thing down i'm like he is so annoying like his i just can't stand his voice honestly yeah there there's one scene where you i i can't remember what scene it is but there's one scene um when he's talking about damon i'm just like stop just stop (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of Spider. I don't like his accent at all. No, no, I don't either. And this is the scene that opened my eyes to what this movie is saying and what it's promoting. Yeah. When Spider says, we can make everyone a citizen of Elysium. Eee. Right after that, I put in my notes, communist lies. That's a very not so good theme to be promoting. Because this movie is very is very much going for equality, which I understand. But the problem is, it's impossible to have equality as much as we like it. That's not to say we shouldn't pursue it. But at the same time, pure equality where everyone gets exactly that is doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. And the problem is, they want all of this for free. It's not economically viable or sustainable. So I was like, oh, wait, so you mean everybody on Earth would go up and live in Elysium or make trips up there to heal themselves? How is anything going to change? You're right. How is anything going to change? This is kind of interesting, too, because the movie is very politically centered. But at the same time, it doesn't talk about what state that the government is in. In how Not that affects all. life on both Elysium and or the Earth and how they're different, but, or how they're opposing or how they're similar. It doesn't talk about any of that kind of stuff. It just kind of stays on the political views. Right. That goes back to my question earlier is, is Elysium the government? Is that their president? What's going on in the rest of the world? Right. 
not enough going on here that really makes sense. So the the big problem I have with this is um, we've seen this actually play out in history with communist co- countries in South America and Russia right. and different areas where whether it's Karl Marx writing about it or Vladimir Lenin actually doing it, they're saying we're going to overthrow the, you know, Tsar Nicholas, you know, and his wife Alexandria or whatever. We're going to overthrow them. We're going to overthrow them. And we will all share everything in common. Nobody right. will be better than the other. We will all be on the same level. You know, those uh, pesky rich will be toppled and we will create a perfect society, a perfect society and perfect harmony where there's no more inequality and no more suffering except, guess what? It always fails. People die from starvation or the government just simply killing them. And it's all a, it's all a trick because the leaders of the revolution always set themselves up at the top anyway. Right. So I'm like, that's when I really, the, I really turned on the movie is when I realized like, holy cow, this movie is advocating for communism essentially. Right. I I wonder if I don't know if the movie's trying to advocate for communism. Although that's in that's it ends up that's what it's doing. I think what it's trying to say is. Um, there shouldn't be a, as big of a line between the upper, middle, and lower classes as there is. I think it's what the movie's going for, but it definitely does not come off the right way. No, in the movie, there's only everybody is either dirt poor on Earth. That's yeah. exactly what the trailer's saying. They're like, there's us, the dirt poor on Earth, and there's the ultra elite rich in Elysium. Extreme classes, which honestly is not how it is in America. Right. You know, I've seen poor people go from having, you know, 50 bucks in their bank account to being billionaires, you know, or these multimillionaires lose everything and then they become poor. So we live in a fluctuating society where your status is not set and it doesn't require violence to move up the ladder. This is we don't live in a caste system like in India or places where true communism actually exists where. And the funny thing is. Is when true communism is implemented. I mean, we see this going on in Venezuela right now. Yeah, people are overthrowing the government because it became communist. Um, it was socialist, and then it became communist. So, but honestly, that's what I say the movie advocating for, and it's not trying to hide it. And the trailer definitely didn't try to hide it. So this seems. I mean, I guess if you like uh, Bernie Sanders, then maybe you like this movie. <laughs> right. Uh, just the political ideas, anyway. Not not talking about the other stuff, but it's pretty obvious. And that really frustrates me. Yeah. And I also kind of want to talk about the state of the government once again here. Um, Cause it isn't like, I know we talked about earlier how it isn't really fully declared what exactly is going on, but let's put this into perspective real quick. So before the ending of the movie occurs, Joey Foster, as we mentioned, has Carlisle write some code that will make her the president of um, of Elysium. And to do this, Elysium is put under, like, I think lockdown or something like that, where you can't fly back and forth to Earth, and there's a big security threat. And yeah. she's, and since she's Secretary of Defense, or Head of Defense, she's put in charge of Elysium. And she points that out and says that I am now in charge of this. So she has full reign over Elysium, right? Which is perfect for her plan. So, the problem is... <laughs> 
The problem comes when when she dies because Kruger kills her, right? Because she was going to make herself the president and Kruger says, I'm going to become the president now and then kills her. But then but then later on down the line, about five or six minutes later, Kruger dies. So who's the president now? Well, that's the whole point of communism. There is no president. We're all they're all just laborers that share everything. No one is in charge. That's the right. whole premises. And that's what it leaves you with is everybody's perfect now, everything's equal. It doesn't make any sense. Right. And I guess I can understand now why you're saying that this is very much advocating communism. Because I guess we do have that group of people that was that were in charge of Foster at the beginning. And I'm sure that they'll take their reign back once this is all over. But at the same time, the movie so. doesn't explain enough. So it it well, very no. much comes off as, as, as if it's, it feels like a very incomplete story. Oh, it absolutely is. And it's because it's focused more on promoting a political agenda than on actually telling a good story. Right. And that's the biggest issue. That is the number one biggest issue with Elysium is that it spent too much time trying to get its message across than it was telling a good story. And yeah. that comes as a huge, huge disconnect because it, the movie kind of feels at times so abstract, which, which works if you have a movie that's meant to be that way. But this movie is not meant to be abstract. It's meant to be a straightforward narrative, which is clearly not. Exactly. And honestly, I feel like it's, I don't know, I guess you could even make the case that it's like making capitalism, I guess, out to be the bad guy. And it's painting it in a very unfair light because they're like, look at this, these greedy people have become rich off the backs of us, even though they employ us and give us a job, right. you know, and pay for us. But how dare they, you know, I don't know, make a profit or make money and there's it's just so evil and greedy. That's why it seems very like anti capitalism very pro-communism and right. of course there's all these other issues i'm assuming the reason there are so many um hispanic people in there is just because of immigration and that's what simon kinberg said the producer he said this movie's going to tackle immigration health care so to me this movie promotes universal health care which is a big issue in the country right now massive issue right. that's going on right now we're the government essentially controls the healthcare, and they promise they're going to give it to everybody, even though we haven't seen that happen. Um, it, there's universal healthcare in Canada and um, a lot of other countries like this, but they're but they're all pretty much empty promises with no explanation. The only explanation for how they can like like viably do this, and this is what the movie addresses: overthrow the rich and just steal all the money from them and use it to support us. Right, and. It's been shown, and we discussed it just a second ago, it doesn't work. That's the problem. That's the Yeah, that's absolutely the problem. And, and it's not just like we're just saying this out of opinion. History has shown this repeatedly. Right. Look at the Soviet Union, okay? Essentially, this movie is saying like, you know, we can have another Soviet Union, it'll be perfect. It's like, eh, no, it didn't work. But kind of kind of just jumping back into the end of the movie here. Okay. Uh I thought it was incredibly unbelievable when they when the grenade blew up and they crashed that everybody was fine and running and fighting and no broken body limbs or whatever and 
Oh, like, yeah. no, no, no. Not to mention that somehow Kruger is still alive. That was shocking. It was a cool sequence when they rebuilt him. Yeah. But with that machine, but I'm like, they're like, oh, his brain's still fine. Yeah. What? And he's like, oh, he's still breathing. (laughs) Yeah, that, and then he, and that's when he also gets his own exosuit. Where did that come from? Like, I know it came out of the wall and they were pulling it off, but where did that come from? And why do they have one? I know. And, like, we've been praising Matt Damon's acting, but when they, like, do, like, a, they, like, shock him with this electric thing, he just makes the stupidest face. It's so funny. Yeah. Also, okay, also, with Matt Damon and, uh, I guess it's, I guess they're calling about their character names. When Max and Kruger fight on that, like, bridge thing. Yeah. Why are they fighting? Because Matt Damon has the code to make Kruger the president, right? And Kruger wants to become the president. He's already killed Jodie Foster at that point. But now he's trying to kill Max? Why? I'm not sure if Kruger is fully aware of the code or what it all entails. I just know he knows that Jodie Foster wants it. But Kruger is a pretty one-dimensional bad guy. Yeah. Kind of like Globus in the movie before. Because he's like, he kills Jodie Foster and he's like, I'm going to be the president now. Really? Yeah. Okay, and I don't think I'm, so. That's why I'm kind of assuming that he knows what Matt Damon has, because how else would he become the president? I don't think so. I think he just, he hates Matt Damon for blowing his face up and making him crash and for having to chase him all over. So I think he just wants to murder him and murder everybody else and then just have a hostile takeover. It's pretty uh, weak storytelling yeah, like that, though. it really is. I feel like this movie kind of starts to crumble. Once they, re- once they reach Elysium. Well, the other thing, the movie really, really contradicts itself and opens up a major plot hole. <sighs> okay, so you know in the beginning how we were discussing about we saw the ships flying up to Elysium and they've done it a lot before because Matt's like, why do you even do it? They always just get shot down. Right. So this has happened a lot before. Well, Jodie Foster institutes a no-fly zone. In the right. end. So I said, why isn't there always a no-fly zone? Because it would solve all these problems with Elysium. Nobody could ever get up there. Because they, he's like, they shut down the sky. We can't like operate our electronics anymore. I'm like, okay, well then why don't they do that? They're just, it doesn't make any sense to right. not have a no-fly zone if they're just going to shoot down ships every time. Right. And I know that Carlisle was headed towards Elysium, and that's just... partly why they had the fly zone open. But at the, but I think you're right. At the same time, why would they always have that open? Because it's very clear that they can manage what's coming in and out of Elysium to give them maybe even a ticket to go down to Earth or come back up. So it's just a one-time flight type of thing. That This is kind of where I'm saying that um, there is major security flaws in this entire movie alone that makes it unbelievable. And I didn't really notice that until you mentioned it with the no-fly zone. But I think also another thing I can also bring up is when Matt Damon rips off the head of one of the police officer-like robots that just somehow somehow shuts the whole thing down. You know, it's like that one point of failure in like everything that this movie seems to have. It's just a giant security thing that did, I don't feel like was gone over very well in the, when they were constructing the movie, I guess. Yeah. I've got a lot of little issues here at the end. I can just, like, run through them real quick. We don't need to spend a lot of time on them. Yeah. But, okay, Kruger says 
to Frey, I was going to heal your daughter, but not now. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. I, What? Why does Jodie Foster's character say no when Frey is trying to help her? Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Too much shaky cam at the fight. Uh, that Kim Rail gun is sweet. Um, it's a really cool shot of Kruger walking with the lights on his uh, mech suit. That's from the trailer. Love that shot. Yeah. Unique location for the final shot. It doesn't make... It's not plausible for Spider, with who has the limp, to walk all the way and catch up with Matt Damon's character. Oh, I do like the ending music. It sounds like something, some music from Gladiator, which I thought was pretty cool. I did think it was cool when he's like, you won't believe what I'm looking at. Like, I finally made it to Elysium. It's like, oh, wow, that's kind of a good feeling. He actually did that. But it's not as emotional as they want it to be. And that's that's pretty much all of my problems with the end. Um, I did think it was cool that the med base came down to Earth, though. I was like, okay, that makes a little more sense. Yeah. But it's still not going to be economically sustainable to keep everybody alive forever and there's no now there's no government so it's going to just devolve into anarchy it's right and the the problem with the med base too is that now we have now we are going to have an even bigger problem with overpopulation because now everyone's getting healed and no one is going to be dying as rapidly or at all right so they just made the problem even worse down on earth doesn't eh. and i understand it's a science fiction movie but it's not a smart science fiction movie yeah it really isn't it's not like we said earlier it's got some major issues in constructing a story versus constructing a message if anything uh, it's it's kind of funny because the movie seems to be promoting you know like universal healthcare and open borders and uh, basically communism, but at the same time, to me, it makes the case against it because they're trying to say like everybody is like so poor and degraded on Earth because of capitalism and the rich. But I don't think so. It's probably because there's not been enough control with uh, just I don't know open borders and unconditional amnesty and things like that. So there's just right. a lot of issues going on where they're really trying to simplify it and give unsatisfactory answers and just not even two hours long. Right. And I think it's kind of the single point of failure for this movie as well. So Alan, what is your rating and recommendation for Elysium? Oh boy. Um, I kind of went into this movie a bit open-minded because I didn't want to the movie. I didn't want to influence myself by giving it a high score when I first watched it, which I gave it an eight when I first watched it. And um, now keep in mind at the time, I didn't know what I was looking for. And so that eight was very much for just enjoyment's sake, not what I pulled out of it. But this time around, and especially after going really in depth with the more communist themes that are in here, I'm kind of disappointed because I feel like Elysium could have been a very good story and very interesting as well. It could have been like the next Blade Runner, I feel, if they had implemented it right in the way that then the way that's smart enough. This one, and I mentioned it a few times, they 
kind of skip out on constructing a well-made story and go for the message, but then it kind of flops. And sometimes they go for constructing a story rather than a message. And the next thing you know, you're sending communist themes. I don't know if that was the point of the story. I don't want to believe that that is, but that's what happened. That's what the movie was saying when it was all said and done. And that's not good. That's actually, that's poor writing. And I'm kind of sad that Neil Blomkamp, who did District 9, and we both really enjoyed it, and we both gave it eights and solid recommends, that we've kind of gone to this level, which is kind of a poor construction. And it makes me sad that I have to say that, but I'm, and I'm hoping that Chappie next, next week will be a lot better than this one. And it seems that you and I have pretty similar views. I do think, and I still kind of want to stick by this, that this movie has a better sense of style than District 9 does. At least a, a, better, a better sense of style that I'd like than District 9. I think District 9 definitely has it more consistent than Elysium does because Elysium kind of cuts back and forth from Elysium to uh, the Gritty Earth. But I think that the Gritty Earth works really, really well. And like I mentioned in the last one, I think I kind of mentioned it here, it's got some Mad Max-esque and Blade Runner-esque themes on when it when it comes to constructing the world. And so for the world construction, I would give it a high score. It's very it's very well shot, even with the shaky cam. And some of the CGI is great, and some of the model work is really great. Where there are times where I can't, I wasn't able to tell if it was CGI or if it was model work, which is a really high praise. And this is so Neil Blomkamp as well. I think one of my bigger issues too is that this movie feels a lot like District 9 in terms of its style. And I feel like Neil Blumkamp didn't really go that extra mile to make it something special and kind of just stole the idea off of District 9. So, yeah, those are kind of my thoughts. I don't think the movie works very well. And I know I've, I've talked about that a bunch. So, overall, I'd probably give it probably a 6 out of 10. But it's a not recommend. I'm going to say no. And it is very energetic. And you can sit and you can watch it without really thinking about it and diving deep into how we do and probably enjoy it a lot. In fact, that's kind of what my original score was, is that sitting down and watching it, it was enjoyable. But looking back on it and really thinking about what the movie's saying, yeah, I'd be careful with it. I'm not. I'm going to give it a six. I'm going to give it a solid not recommend, though. I really struggled between whether to recommend this movie or not. The first time I saw it, I thought it was good, but not great. Because I really felt there was, there's like something lacking just with the story. I was not thinking about the plot a whole lot. Like what we just delved into, I wasn't thinking about that a year ago. I was really just, just enjoying the visual feast and just the pretty surface level story. From that standpoint, it's enjoyable, but it's really lacking something. And it's kind of hard to put your finger on it exactly what it is. But especially after seeing District 9, which is a solid movie, uh, there was just something off about this one. And if I if this trailer was put out right now and I saw that, I, I don't know. I would be very conflicted about seeing this movie just because of the clear agenda the trailer is trying to promote, which is communism pretty much. So I really struggle with that. And so that's why I was really struggling with my rating. 
uh, yesterday, not yesterday, but when I did watch it and I rated the movie, I gave it a six, but I honestly feel like I'm going to have to drop it to a five. So I give Elysium five out of 10 and it's a slight not recommend. Um, if you have kind of exhausted some of your other sci-fi options, uh, that are much better than this movie, like we mentioned, both Blade Runner films, Mad Max, different things like that. If you've exhausted those options, then I think you could come to this movie and have an enjoyable time. Um, not a great time. There's just something that really doesn't work. But dismiss all the politics aside. So, yeah, I'm sorry, but Elysium 5 out of 10, it's a, it's a slight not, not recommend for me. Right. And like you said, if we were to like just completely dismiss the the uh, the agent that's sending, it is pretty enjoyable. And and I think that if you go into this movie and you're not really one to kind of want to point out what exactly is going on in the background or wonder or really kind of piece together what the movie's trying to say, I think you'll enjoy it. And and that's why I kind of that's why I gave it a six out of ten is that there are some very enjoyable action scenes in this, and I maybe it takes it a bit too far uh, and has a bit too much action in it, but it's still enjoyable and from that sense. But when you really sit down and really analyze it, it kind of begins to fall apart and yeah. it doesn't really work. Yeah, if you really analyze it, then it really falls apart. But yeah, I mean. You'll you'll catch what's going on. Yeah, it's um, it's not like it's hidden or anything, but it's there. It's, it's hard. There. To, it's really hard to catch the agenda that's being promoted, especially because it's so prevalent in today's politics. Yeah, um, all of these hot button issues are like everybody knows about them now. They're in everybody's face. So then, when we actually see them portrayed in the movie, then it's pretty pretty unmistakable. Uh, really, what's going on, and then ultimately what happens in the end. I put down at the bottom like i said why does this feel like the bolshevik revolution <laughs> yeah uh so and honestly uh i i i only think it's like semi enjoyable i think the tonal shift and just the look of it like the shift between earth and elysium is just so dark it's just such a big contrast that it I find that a little hard to enjoy, and I do wish the action was better in certain parts. Uh, the action looked really great in the trailer, and I think we we had some missed opportunities with some of the action in this movie. It really should have focused more on action and less on politics. But anyways, that wraps up the second installment in our Neil Blomkamp retrospective series. Make sure to join us next week because... As of right now, we will be finishing the Blomkamp retrospective series with Chappie, which uh, was a fairly recent release. Yeah, I'm actually really excited. I haven't seen Chappie yet. Elysium, if you heard from, I think it's mentioned earlier, but if you heard from the last podcast with District 9, Elysium, when we began this retrospective, was the only one that I had seen, but now I have seen two, and soon to be three. So I'm actually kind of excited for Chappie. I've heard some pretty good things. I'll give a slight preview of my thoughts. I remember really enjoying Chappie. So, and listeners, if you want to watch along with us, then I believe Chappie is on Netflix right now. So make sure to watch that. So then you can uh, have that ready and we can all talk about it. But we want to say thank you for joining us on this retrospective. Even though this one was a stinker, 
the first one was great and i'm still enjoying analyzing these movies because regardless if you go along with the message uh camp has a really unique vision and oh, yeah, builds really unique worlds uh for the most part so and chappy does that even more and chappy will be another thing to talk about with artificial intelligence will be very interesting interesting so i wonder how much it'll pull off of blade runner kind of curious yeah, well, yes, and now Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, yeah. Which came afterwards. But make sure to join us for that. We're really looking forward to doing that. Make sure to subscribe uh, through email or social media so you never miss anything at all. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. I do want to do more videos on there eventually. I've got some exciting videos actually planned coming up for the future. I think you all have a lot of fun uh, joining me on my journey and coming along with me. But thank you again for joining us with Neil, Mr. Neil Blancamp, and we will see you next time with Chappie.